the question today isn't exactly what is a pre-approval, but what isn't it? And why do people still have so many questions about it? And where do you get it? And how does it work? And how long does it last? And what are rate holds? Honestly, questions for days around pre-approvals. They just go on and on and on. And for good reason, because there are so much false information online, on the internet, on Instagram. Heck, I've seen tons of false information from mortgage professionals putting information out there into the world that's incorrect. So we're going to set the record straight today. We're going to set the record straight on exactly what pre-approvals are, what you need to know. You know, listen, if you're buying your third home or fourth home or you're in the real estate industry, I think this is going to be even more impactful for you to understand the details of this. Guys, my name is Alex McFadden. I'm one of the hosts here, and I'm also one of the partners at Thrive Mortgage Co. And the reason that we started this podcast is because we felt there was a lack of clear clear education in the lending space, especially when it comes to real estate, um, investing, wealth creation, and just understanding how it all works. Um, today, I'll be joined with my partner, Derek Williamson, and we're going to talk about everything you need to know about pre-approvals. But if you're interested in learning about anything else, whether it's investing, construction, all sorts of other stuff, make sure to check out the previous episodes. And if you're liking this show and you're getting some information out of it, please just jump on iTunes and give us a five-star review. If you're on Spotify, find us on Instagram at Thrive Mortgage Co. at the YBR Remo Show and shout us out. Help us reach more people. That's the goal. We do this for free uh, in the evenings, in the mornings, on the weekends. And our goal is to help more people. And if you think that you're someone that needs some help, whether it's you know sorting out a refinance, getting pre-approved, looking at your portfolio, just reach out to us. Go to our website, thrivemortgage.ca, and we'll help you out. Guys, I hope you, hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. And we'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. We got a lot to cover here today. We're going to talk everything that you need to know about pre-approvals. And I know it doesn't sound sexy right now, but at some point in hopefully everybody who's listening to this and some point in their life, they're buying a property and they're preparing to purchase a property. And hopefully if you've listened to us, you're preparing to buy more than one property. Um, the reason that we want to have this conversation is because there a pre-approval is talked about every single day by anybody in the real estate industry, yet it's commonly misunderstood. Most people don't understand what it is, how it works, what's the reason, and actually what happens behind the scenes. So we're going to break that down and hopefully you learn a couple of things from this so that if you're a home buyer, you can have more success because you understand what actually a pre-approval is, uh, but more importantly, what, what it isn't. And I think that's a big part of what we're gonna talk about today, Derek. Yeah, I mean, a pre-approval is hands down one of the most important parts of the finance process. I mean, without that, you're spending your evenings, weekends, a lot of realtors actually won't even go and show you homes. I don't know if any buyers know that, but if you don't have a proper pre-approval in place, your realtor likely isn't going to go out and show you homes because they don't know if you qualify and they don't want to waste their time. Um, but the worst thing that can happen in the home buying process is you find the place and fall in love with it and you write your offer and get an accepted offer just to find out that your financing doesn't work out very very disheartening discouraging it's an awful conversation to have so uh, the pre-approval a true pre-approval it sets the goal to avoid that at all costs yeah you know what and i know we didn't intend on getting on that piece about real estate agents right off the bat because obviously there's a bigger picture at play here but 
I mean, you know, as we talk about this and we think about it, the more and more and more that the market continues to be more competitive, the more important the pre-approvals uh, and actually a real pre-approval continues to be for buyers that are out there shopping, not only to know their maximum numbers and their scenarios, but worst case scenarios and backup plans and all the things that you can do, timelines. And it's just, it's so important in the different markets. And again, I think that's where we're going to drill down. So we'll cover today, you know, everything from what the heck is a pre-approval and what isn't it to what's a, a online pre-approval, why you need one, uh, how you actually get one, how long do they last? when you should get one. So like we're gonna cover a whole bunch of stuff here today and um, I think you're gonna walk out of this with a lot of information around <laughs> pre-approvals, hopefully. <laughs> but we'll get into it, I mean, and I always get asked this question daily, Derek, which is um, what is a pre-approval? And sometimes I almost start with what it isn't, but maybe you can give us your once over on, on how you explain what a pre-approval is. A true pre-approval is uh, a review, a thorough review of your financial situation. Uh, and when I say financial situation, I mean that's covering your income in depth. We're looking at the last couple of years of income, current pay stubs, letters of employment, tax returns. Uh, we're looking over credit. So we're looking if there were any credit flaws, if your credit's up to par for uh, you know the type of lender that we're hoping to work with. We're looking at debts, we're looking at loans, payments, credit card balances, uh, and we're basically comparing income to debts to figure out what you can qualify for. Down payments also factored in, you know, work experience is factored in. So it's a very, very thorough review of you and your financial situation to understand what you qualify for in the form of a mortgage. And there's a lot of different ways that a pre-approval can go, right? Um, you know, like there's insured mortgages with less than 20% down, there's conventional mortgages, there's exceptions that can be had. So there's a lot uh, of work that goes into a pre-approval when it's done properly. Um, so essentially, it's it's getting qualified for the mortgage so that you know what type of financing you can achieve when you find the property that you want to buy. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, right from that, listeners, you really should pick up the fact that first and foremost, this is a thorough review. It's not a guarantee. And I think we want to jump into that straight away. There's no such thing as a 100% a ironclad guarantee of financing in advance of finding a property that you're going to finance for. And you know this as well as I do, but and this is surprising to most people, but quite literally the number one consideration for a lender who's lending property is actually the property and not the applicant. Of course, an applicant is extremely important to find out what the income qualification would look like, but the properties are asset. Remember, if you're buying a home, uh, the bank is not looking at necessarily uh, just you, but they're looking at the ability to resell that home if you don't make your payments. And that's, interestingly enough, one of the biggest factors of getting a mortgage qualification. So think of a pre-approval as your current financial situation at your time uh, uh, right now being completely and fully reviewed by individuals who do this for a living, professionally speaking, and know what a lender is looking for. Yeah, good point. Just on the property piece, I mean, that's that's something that we can never pre-approve or pre-qualify, right? Especially if it's a strata property, lenders are going to look through mountains and mountains of strata documentation. So, you know, typically we always have to advise that we suggest a subject to finance. Now, often we're in markets recently over the last year and a half where a subject to finance is potentially not going to get you into that property. And there's another process and conversation that we have to make sure that everyone understands their risks, right? Just like Alex mentioned, there's absolutely no guarantee. You'll never get a guarantee from any bank or credit union in Canada. Um, so really going subject free is knowing what the risks are, 
knowing what your worst case scenario is if something was to go wrong uh, and what is the plan that we're going to put in place if something did come up. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. I mean, so so from here, let's let's get um, into what a pre-approval is and, and what people commonly do and some of the confusion around that rate holds uh, bank pre-qualifications. And then we'll touch back a little bit on the subject for you as we kind of round about, you know, a lot of people obviously in this hot market or in any hot market are doing exactly what you're suggesting and saying, hey, can I go financing without or can I buy a property without a financing condition? And you, obviously you kind of address that question right there. But um, again, there's some things that you can do to protect yourself. And not only should you go back and look at uh, one or listen to one of our episodes where we talked about subject free offers, but we'll touch on this again. So what's I mean, I think what I really want to touch on right away is like, what the heck, what isn't a pre approval? Like, what is it not? And we already touched on a little bit of it. But more importantly, what are the things that we commonly see people do and the biggest mistakes that make that people make that gets them in trouble in hot water? And I mean, first of all, when we talk say trouble or hot water, it's exactly what you talked about where someone maybe thought they were pre-approved, but the file wasn't fully reviewed or their credit wasn't pulled or they didn't submit their job letter and then they make an offer on a property and oh, you know, a week later or you know, two days later they find out from their banker or broker or whoever, hey, you're actually not approved for this property. So again, to your point, Derek, you know, a pre-approval is not a guarantee, as we discussed. But some of the biggest missteps for most people is they get pre-qualified and they don't get their file reviewed. And so when we talk about a pre-qualification for someone, that's something that we could do pretty quickly, right? Like a, a phone call, sometimes a 15-minute phone call, we can punch in some numbers with a calculator. We have an online app. We have, uh, you know, a calculator on our website. But as long as the data is good, uh, it spits out a general number. And that's just a calculation. A lot of people confuse that with things like the online bank apps and our online app as a true pre-approval. It's not, and it's not worth shopping, but maybe you should educate the people as to why that's the case. Yeah, I'd say the most common situation where someone thinks they're pre-approved and they're not is when they've spoken to their bank and their bank will have the quick 10 minute conversation. They maybe look at a pay stub. They don't pull credit. They haven't reviewed all the documentation. And they say, here's what you qualify for. Sometimes they actually give a pre-qualification letter, but it's bolded on there that this is not a pre-approval. Um, and then the downside to that is that they haven't pulled credit. You know, And maybe you forgot to tell them about a loan or how much the payment was. Or maybe you're casual, right? But, you're, but they're thinking that you're full time. So that's the most common situation. A lot of times, unfortunately, the banks don't want to put a ton of time into a full true pre-approval because it's not immediate dollars for them, right? So this conversation comes up all the time. I talked to a client yesterday. They were working with a bank. The bank said, here's your qualification. Come back when you have an accepted offer. We'll do our best to get it done. So you're telling me that that client now has to go out with their realtor evenings, weekends, looking for properties, battling in this market, not really knowing if it's going to work out. Right. But the unfortunate part is that that client, of course, is going to take the bank's word because why would you not trust the banker that does mortgages for a living? Right. So that's the most common situation. A, a rough qualification is not a pre approval. There are so many, so many little things that can come up in a mortgage application that could com completely throw that application out the window and qualification out the window. And that's the worst thing that you want to figure out. So the, that base rough qualification is absolutely not a pre approval. And the other question that I get all the time is once we actually formalize a pre-approval, a lot of clients actually say, okay, so we're good, we're approved, right? That is not what a pre-approval is. A pre-approval is not an approval from an institution. An institution is not going to take the time to review every single document, credit, down payment documents, and issue a commitment letter. 
they will only do that once you have an accepted offer on a property right so as you can see it's so important to get that proper pre-approval in place because the banks won't put the time into it until you found the property yeah i mean i i, I like to uh in sports terms like to think of it like an exhibition game uh it's our opportunity to uh do a full run through where you know obviously whether you like hockey or football or whatever it is you like to do we're we're going through your credit when we're doing a full breakdown when you've submitted all your t4s and your t1s or your noas or your job letter and all these different items like we are looking at as many details as we can in advance to prepare you for the real thing, but there is nothing like the real thing. And to your point, the typical bank pre-approval is like the draft. Like you literally are just getting the basic information, the basic information out there and you have a, you know, this, this could be good, but it also could be really, really bad. Um, that's probably gonna be my best analogy that I can think of on the spot, but, <laughs> but for the sake of uh, conversation and moving forward, biggest mistake, hands down, people walking in. But actually, I do wanna dig into that, which is the why. Why is that even the case? Why do, why do banks do that? And why do people trust the banks that they're uh, giving you know, positive feedback and the correct information? Uh, I, I've got my feelings on that. I mean, first and foremost, it's inefficient from a bank perspective. You have to think about it. A lot of people don't realize this, that Banks are just giant multi-billion dollar profit machines. They're smart. They're incredibly smart people at the top who are building out these processes systems. And they see that they've got thousands of people in many cases walking through the door, calling them, uh, emailing them and submitting applications for uh, approvals. And most of those people are not gonna ever buy a home or will choose not to refinance or choose not to move forward. So from a banking perspective, for them to hire enough people to do underwriting of every single one of these pre-approvals, like that's a lot of time and a lot of money. Even on our side, it can take quite a while to underwrite every single file. So it's a massive commitment and their objective and their mandate is obviously to make money, but they can make money on other things like credit cards, cross-selling TFSAs and mutual funds and RSPs and bank accounts and all these different facets of a bank's model. So why would they focus all of their energy on tying up a few of their team members for hours every single day for every single application when most of those people aren't gonna fund? Yeah, you're right. Like it's all about the dollars, right? And for them, if if 75% of those people don't transact, they have wasted a ton of time. Uh, their staff's days have been clogged up working on applications that aren't going to proceed. But another huge aspect of this is the relationship side of things, right? So if you think about it, you know, let's say one of the big banks, maybe they mess up on 50% of their qualifications. Maybe they're not correct because they do them rough. People will still pile into that bank till the end of time, likely because they're a bank, right? And they have a relationship and they have millions and millions of clients that have bank accounts and that's where people, you know, initially wanna go. They wanna to go to their bank to get a qualification. So they could literally screw up on hundreds of thousands of applications every single year and their doors don't stop. The applications keep coming. For us and anyone that's private or independent, uh, if we were to do that, you know, the, the trusted real estate agents that we work with will not continue to send us business. Uh, the clients that we work so hard to get approved and, and help them get into their homes, they are not going to refer us, you know, their friends and family. So for us to keep our business uh, operational uh, and running and growing, we have to make sure we do the best job possible uh, for all of our clients and our partners. 100%. It's quantity versus quality. So then the question continues to beg is, why do uh, why do individuals continue to go back to the banks and the branches to get what we know is not a pre-approval and where's the missing link there from an educational component and i mean i can give you my suggestion on that feedback and i think the first suggestion i would give you is that we're brainwashed from the moment that we 
you know, I guess three, four, five years old, when our parents go into the branch, they open up a bank account, they give us this little booklet. Uh, maybe now it's an app or something, but I think they give you a little booklet and everything is about putting the money into your savings account. Like they train you to trust them by being super nice day one. And, you know, full disclosure, I think half of our team came from a bank before this. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of team members and so forth that were working in the banking industry and we understand how good that they train uh, these people on selling products and servicing and so forth. The difference though at the end of the day is these are just giant sales companies. So remember that when you're walking into a branch that they have the products, they're a great vendor. We think of them as partners to us in many circumstances to get the lending. But objectively speaking, there's no benefit for them to put any more time than they have to into a file. And that's why we, one of the reasons, we have lots, there are lots of reasons that we're here, but one of the big reasons that as mortgage brokers, we have a big role ultimately is because of the fact that uh, we do specialize in that one thing. So we specialize in lending. That's it. We're not going to sell you RSPs or TFSAs or try and convert you to open a bank account, right? And I mean, to peel that back a little bit further, if you really look at the big picture and say, well, why would a bank pay, pay a mortgage broker to bring an application to the bank if all these people are going to the bank, right? And the reason for that is that we do all the work. Like we do the proper pre-approval. We help the clients get the accepted offer, right? And we submit a full package so that the bank has to do very, very minimal work on that application to fund that mortgage. So it's an extremely efficient line of business for these institutions that choose to work with brokers. Mm. Yep. Boom. All right. I like it. Okay. So, so on to the next one. So we, I think we kind of touched on why you need a pre-approval, but like just to hammer that home a little bit more for those who aren't really sure right now, I mean, ultimately you need a pre-approval so you know what exactly what you can do. I always tell it to people, it's like shopping without a wallet. I mean, these days, obviously shopping without your, uh, you know, Apple Pay or Google Pay or whatever it is you use, but shopping without access to your bank account. So you don't know how much money you have, how can you know what you can offer on a property, whether you can be competitive or not be competitive, but there's backup lending options in place uh, as well, which another point that we talked about before, which is, Again, if you go to one bank, you've got one option. We've got different ones, but we'll, we'll move on to that another time. Confidence. I think confidence is probably one of the biggest parts of this. Like, are you confident in making an offer on a property that if that seller wants $10,000 more than you offered, that you know it's only gonna cost you 35 or 40 bucks more per month? Well, if you had that file reviewed and you know your maximum qualification, you can feel confident knowing that you've underwritten the file or at least have a very good idea as to whether your qualification is there. So you can confidently place an offer instead of looking back and saying, oh, I wish I could have. Yeah, totally. And I mean, speed and organization are the two that I'll touch on here. So speed is, you know, maybe you can get an accepted offer, but the sellers can only give you three days for your financing subject. That's not a lot of time. So if you've done a proper pre-approval and you've submitted all of your documentation, we are typically submitting that offer to the lender within a few hours of your accepted offer. And if it's a full package, we can often get an approval within one to two days, right? So we can meet short timelines if you have a full pre-approval in place. If you don't, and you send us an accepted offer and we're starting from scratch, trying to build an application, getting your job letters, pay subs, T4s, you name it, very unlikely you're going to be able to remove your subjects and buy that property. I'm so happy you, you said that one point there because, I mean, how often do we get a phone call? It, multiple times, sometimes multiple times a day, sometimes a few times a week from a real estate agent whose client was either declined or their bank's not getting back to them. And they, they haven't submitted any of their information, like, or at least only half of it. And then they're trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, I, I got to find my, my manager, but my manager's on vacation. How do I get that job letter? What do I do? And that can kill it. So yeah, that speed piece is huge. Yeah, scrambling, trying to get documentation. It's stressful for us. It's stressful for your realtor. It's stressful for the lawyer. It's stressful for every single person involved if you haven't done your planning up front. 
Yeah, agreed. <laughs> let's not let's eliminate a lot of the stress. Let's get away from that. Uh, beyond that, uh, we talked about this before. When you get fully pre-approved uh, and completely pre-approved, you're in a position where, of course, you know uh, um, that you're going to get an offer accepted much more likely than someone else who's walking in who doesn't have any kind of confirmation of their pre-approval. It's been proven time and time and time again. Homeowners. They don't want to have multiple people bidding on their home and then have one person fall out and then have to take a backup plan or a backup plan or a backup plan. And yes, let's be honest here, in many cases, the highest price wins. But I can like there are so many circumstances that we can talk about where there were the same offer and our clients came out on top because they could prove in writing that they have been pre-approved. They have been underwritten. We have checked their credit and it's provided the uh, listing agent and more importantly, the seller, because the seller is the one who's usually looking at this, that they have confidence that you've been pre-approved properly and we know you're going to get qualified so it gives you the leg up in many situations right absolutely yeah over and above that i mean big thing for you as a buyer if you're getting out there and you're looking to buy a home it's not just necessarily about getting a pre-approval it's all about understanding your financial situation we usually expose things about your credit history how many times derek have we come across someone who we pull their credit and we send it to them and they're like holy cow I, cow i didn't know i had this collection on my report i didn't realize i had this credit card balance owing um, my credit's not reporting on Equifax, so nobody's going to qualify me. That happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point because up until now we've talked about it probably seems like you get pre-approved, you go buy your home. But there's a lot of times when we run an application and, and look at documents that maybe it is credit or maybe it's income or there's something very unique in that application where we actually can't issue a pre-approval. But at least now that you've started that process and we've done a thorough review, we can give you feedback and suggestions on what you need to do to fix your credit. Or maybe you need to wait until you get a few months of 40-hour work weeks and then we come back around this, right? So there's a lot of times where we actually have to dig into this and we unfortunately have to tell clients that it doesn't work currently, but here's what you can do to get there. Or we have conversations about co-signers and maybe finding a Band-Aid solution. Yeah, couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. There's there's so many things there. So Let's talk about some of the biggest questions that people typically have around uh, getting a pre-approval and the biggest, I guess, um, you know, reasons why people don't do it. I think the first one that I hear all the time is credit check um, every day. It's like, well, if I get a pre-approval, does that mean I have to do a credit check? Yes, 100%. Yes, it does. Always. Absolutely. No question. For the reasons that I just mentioned, you just mentioned a minute ago, not having credit, not having enough credit, not hitting the credit scores. Again, as a broker, one of the biggest advantages, we don't just work with that one bank, right? So different lenders have different guidelines around credit. And this, this is our opportunity to clean that up, right? So 100% you can do credit. And then the follow-up question to that, is that going to hurt my credit? Unless you're going to, you know, I don't know, Home Depot and then running across the street and signing up for a credit card somewhere else and then heading over to, you know, buy another cell phone all within a short period of time. No, it's not going to negatively affect your credit. It's all within reason, right? And the interesting thing is I find the people that usually have the best credit are the ones that ask that question. And if you have good credit, it's not going to impact your credit. And if it does, it's not going to impact your credit enough to hinder your credit enough where a lender won't offer you a mortgage. Like you said, it, it's kind of when you're on the fence, right? And, and you've had your credit checked 15 times in the last two months where it will hinder that. I'd say the other piece is like a full application. Honestly, an application takes 15 minutes, maybe 25 minutes if there's a handful of people on it. Uh, it's a very short process to complete. And the last step, which there is a bit of work involved, it's documentation. Uh, and we get this question all the time, like, do you really need my T4s? I sent you my pay stub. I sent you my job letter. Do you really need my T4s? And the answer is yes. Not because we personally want to collect them, 
you know, if we could make it easier, we would, but we know that the bank is going to ask for it when it comes time to submit your purchase. And if we don't have those documents, again, there's a reason that, you know, we could have missed something and your application actually doesn't work out. Um, or, you know, it's a mad scramble for you trying to find your T4s last minute when we're on a short timeline. So documentation is really important. You know, we're, we're pretty firm on getting all documentation at the beginning just because, you know, we put a lot of confidence uh, behind our pre-approvals and we want to make sure nothing's been missed. And really, I'd say that like it's hard, but it's not. Like you might have to get us eight documents, right? Like there's not a lot of work there if you really put your head down, if you really want to get a pre-approval. Um, it's something that you can typically push through in a few days if you want to. Listen, at the, at the end of the day, the best way to put it too is do the, get, get through the hard stuff first and then everything else is just so much easier as opposed to doing it backwards. I mean, again, we've done this enough times to know it sucks when someone has uh, come to us last minute. They don't, they don't enjoy it. They don't have a lot of fun. There's scrambling to get all the documents whereas if you do the crappy part up front everything else is just so much easier after the fact right huge 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 consideration so i mean as far as the documents required typical employee documents would include job letter paste of two years of noas and t4s there's other considerations that we do look at including proof of your down payment history and some other factors but i won't rattle those off in this podcast here today for that you know reach out to us and we can give you a list based on your circumstance so I mean, let's let's just talk a little bit about uh, pre-approval timelines and rate holds and how long they last because there's, um, and again, this is where there's a massive confusion um, uh, as to what that is. So first and foremost, a rate hold is, uh, I, I don't know, I get a lot of confusion on rate holds, but a rate hold itself is typically for on average 120 days. There are exceptions. There's some lenders that do 130 and then there's some that do 90 days, but the average rate hold is for 120 days. And a rate hold isn't a pre-approval. It's not. Um, it, it doesn't mean it's been underwritten. It doesn't mean we've reviewed a file. The only thing we have to do to get a rate hold in place is a credit check, a consent form, and an application from you. Um, now, some lenders do require more information in order to provide a rate hold, but some don't. But I think it's important to note a rate hold does not mean you're pre-approved. And that goes back to the whole bank thing, which is like going to, you know, let's just say BMO Bank. And they say, hey, you want to get pre-approved? Let's get you a rate hold. And they use those same terms in the same conversation, but they're not the same thing. So a client gets a rate hold and they think they've been pre-approved for a mortgage. Not the case. All it is is just basically putting a flag in the ground and saying, I've held this interest rate uh, for a period of time. Whether you qualify for it or not. 100%. And then, I mean, back to the pre-approval itself and timelines. I mean, you know, so a pre-approval is essentially your qualification it's what you qualify for based on income credit down payment um so on a high level i mean if your situation doesn't change if your income stays the exact same and your debts stay the exact same and your down payment stays the exact same your qualification really won't change unless there's a national mortgage regulation adjustment stress test what have you so really you know if there's no regulation changes we could have a conversation in 12 months and you could still have the exact same qualification right now what expires is credit checks and documentation so a lot of lenders want to see income documents meaning pay stub and job letter dated within 30 days again doesn't mean it's expired or you don't qualify anymore but you just have to give us a new pay stub and a new job letter showing that your income is the same or has improved uh, and then credit checks are the same thing they're typically 30 days so we would have to pull a new credit bureau you know if you're buying in two months from now so the qualification 
stays the same, if your situation stays the same, uh, documentation has to be updated, and then rate holds, like Alex mentioned, they range from 90 to 130 days. Another thing I wanted to mention is a lot of times you'll see promotional rates that are offered by lenders, and they're better than their going rates. And a promotional rate, maybe it's for a property or a purchase that closes within 30 days, uh, maybe it's for a purchase with 5% down, uh, typically those promotional rates can't actually be held right because it's a short-term promotional offer that's that's actually massive thanks for sharing that because a lot of times um yeah there's a lot of people that are looking at the interest rate when we set up pre-approval and like well is that really what's available to me at this time or is that really my option and not only is that obviously probably the wrong way to look at this but uh, there's a huge misunderstanding and to your point that lenders don't offer you the best terms for a rate hold. Uh, why that's the case though, generally speaking, is because when they pre-approve you for a $500,000 loan uh, at a certain interest rate, they're holding that money. They're basically holding that money aside from you and guaranteeing to you that you're going to get this amount of money, assuming you qualify. Again, you're not pre-approved, but assuming you qualify that timeline uh, upon finding a home, even if that's 90 days down the road, right? And if interest rates on their end were to rise by a quarter percent or, quarter percent or their money were, was to become more expensive, you still get that, but they would technically lose out on that additional profit. So there's no incentive realistically for them to hold it for much longer than that. Um, so that's why, again, you know, in most situations, I mean, I guess, Derek, we could see the spread as, as far as a quarter percent to a half percent lower for a live transaction in some situations when compared to a a pre-approval rate. So I know for a lot of people, it isn't a bad idea to get rate hold. We don't tell people not to get a rate hold. I mean, especially in a raising rate environment. But again, keep in mind that it doesn't necessarily mean that's the best one that you could get at that time with a live transaction. The other factor that's extremely important is that if you get a rate hold for 120 days, you have to close within 120 days. Uh, with most of these institutions, that means if you go shopping 60 days from now, you have to close within that 60 day following. And if you don't, then you're obviously going to pay for whatever the rate at that time is. If it's gone up, I mean, obviously, if it hasn't, then it's not a big deal. But if it has gone up, you're going to be back to whatever the daily rate is. Again, another miscommunication or confusion. Yeah. And just further to that, closing means like completion has happened. You're taking ownership of that property. A lot of people think that you just need to find your home and write an offer and get an accepted offer and maybe remove subjects. That is not the case. So typically, if we pre-approve somebody today, Maybe they find a house in two to six weeks. And then from there, completion is usually one to four months after the fact, right? So you do have to keep that in mind with rate holds 100%. And while we're on rates, I typically tell people not to rush and panic and try to buy within a rate hold. Like that is not the most important part. Um, finding the right home for yourself and your family or your investment is way more important than trying to save, you know, 50 bucks a month on an interest rate. So I typically try to tell people to take that out of the equation. Uh, rates are competitive and they'll be competitive when you're purchasing for sure. So just focus more so on the property. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, how soon should somebody get pre-approved before actually shopping for a home and starting the process of shopping? I mean, listen, if you're thinking about buying a home within, you know, I don't know, a six month window or something of that nature, maybe even a little bit further out. Now, I'll go back here. If you're thinking about purchasing a home or investment property and you're just not sure about timelines, then you should always be reaching out and having a conversation. I mean, a 15-minute phone call can go a long way. Sometimes that's all we would do here is a 15-minute consultation and we put you on the path to maybe it's a one-year, two-year plan, right? But for a lot of other people, you know, a 15-minute phone call could mean, hey, you could 
technically probably do this much sooner than you think and let's get you pre-approved to see what that would look like. So the timeline is, is a little bit subjective, but I'd say the biggest piece of feedback I have is to get prepared early. I mean, quite often we find that people, once they get pre-approved, they actually start the process of shopping much sooner than they think they would have otherwise because, well, well I'm prepared, why not? And that usually benefits people more than obviously waiting on the sidelines. Yeah, bang on. It's it's never too early to have that conversation. I just find, you know, a lot of people, they might have the mindset of like, well, I'm still saving and I'm, I'm not going to have my full down payment for six months. But, you know, maybe we have that conversation in six months when you think you're ready to rock and you're ready to write an offer. And we find out that, you know, you had to pay off that credit card as well. Yeah. So the sooner that we can dig into this stuff, the sooner that we can give you guys some some advice and feedback and you can start working on that plan. And like Alex mentioned, maybe we have the conversation and you're ready to go right now and we can yeah. pre-approve you right away. Absolutely. Now for anyone shopping in a hot market right now, I want to definitely remind you, go back to uh, our episode on subject free offers and how to win it. I think it's in the 50s at this point right now. We'll try to link it in the show notes so you have that. And if you want to find out about getting pre-approved with us, because why wouldn't you, then definitely send us a DM on Instagram at Thrive Mortgage Co. at the YBR Remo Show or go to our website, thrivemortgage.ca, and we'll talk to you about this in a little bit more detail. I think the goal really this, of this conversation, this episode, Derek, between you and I is to just get rid of the confusion around it, right? Give a good explanation, good understanding. And hopefully uh, someone who's listening to this right now uh, is able to move forward more confidently than they were before. Most important part of a mortgage application is a pre-approval. That's right. And if you learn something, guys, don't forget, you got to go and give us that five-star review on iTunes because we're giving these educational sessions every single week. Uh, and of course, we, uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you all. So let us know if you're liking the show, iTunes, five-star review, YBR Remo Show. Hit us up on Instagram. Say hi. We're friendly. We'd love to see you around and we'll see you next time.